You know, as you study the Bible, you'll note that the first institution that God created was not the government. Government's important. We need it. We need it for defense. We need it for safety. We need it for the common good. And God did establish it. And all governments that are in existence today, all rulers that rule, are there because that God ordained it. And we need to be, uh, give our allegiance, but it's not the first institution that God created. Study the Bible, you'll see that the first institution that God created was not the church. The church is important, and we need it. We need it to worship, we need it for spiritual instruction, we need it for encouragement, we need it for the fellowship. And God did establish it. And every church belongs to him. It's only in existence because of him. And we ought to belong to one. It's not the first institution he created. You study the Bible, you find the first institution that God created was the home. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Boys came along and other children came along and God set up the home. And I would submit to you today that because it was the first one that he created, that it's probably the most important one that he made. Because, you see, I believe you can't have good church without good families, good homes. I believe you can't have good government without good families and good homes. And to call a home an institution, that's probably too sterile a word to use for it. Home is a place of physical rest. Home is a place of protection. Home in a place where your mom and dad are there and, and they can make everything all right. They can heal hurts. They can mend broken hearts. It's a place where fears can be dispersed, where you can laugh and have fun together and love together. And the most important institution in the scheme of God is not the government, it's not the church, it's the home. And because it is, and because Satan knows that, he attacks the home more than he does any institution. He comes after our marriages. He comes after our children. And all you have to do is pick up the newspaper. All you have to do is listen to the news at night or listen to it throughout the day. And you can see day after day, week after week, that Satan has his attack out on our homes. This morning, I want to remind you as parents and as grandparents and as concerned Christians that we need to do what we can to protect our homes. In fact, this morning, my message is real simple. I want to paint a picture of two homes. I want to paint a picture of a home that was a successful one. A home where husband and wife stayed together. They raised godly children, and they they honored God. And then I want to paint a picture of a home that was a failure where the marriage was broken, the children were ungodly, that was a disgrace in God's eyes. And I want to tell you what the good home did and what the, the home that was a failure didn't do. And I want to ask you this morning that you will take these things and apply them to your home. You say, well, pastor, I don't have any children at home anymore. It doesn't matter. You, you are an influence on somebody. You are an influence on your home. You are an influence on others' homes. And these things that I'm going to talk about this morning, you can do even though your children may be grown and gone. The home that was a success that I want to mention to you this morning was Noah's home. Noah lived in a wicked time. And Satan was after the homes in his day. And yet Noah stood for God. In the midst of this corrupt world, where the Bible says he was the only one that remained true, Noah stood for God. 
And Satan attacked his home. And yet, in Satan's attack, Mr. and Mrs. Noah stayed together for at least 620 years. Long time to be married to the same woman. (laughs) Some of you that have been married for 50, 60 years, you think that on occasion. But can you imagine being married for 620 years? And they enjoyed it. Now they worked. I mean, the last hundred years or so of their, their, their marriage, and again, they could have been married for a lot longer than that. I think, I, I can't remember exactly how long Noah lived, but I know they were married for 620 years because was, he was 500 years old when he started building the ark, and it took him 120 years to build it, and so, and Mrs. Noah came off the ark, and so they were married for 620 years. And their children served God. Their children obeyed mom and dad, and their children and their family brought honor to God. Now, Lot's home was a failure. Lot, Lot, Lot lived in a wicked time just like Noah did, just like we do. And Satan attacked his home, but he wasn't as successful as Noah. Because his wife was killed by God for her disobedience. His three married daughters and their husbands made fun at Lot when he told them to come and leave the city for God, because God was about to destroy it. And his two single daughters committed wicked sin with their dad. And so if you compare these two homes, if you put them on the scales of God, you have to say by looking at the results that Noah must have been something doing something right because God blessed his home. Lot missed the boat. And Satan got in and destroyed his home. And I want to mention this morning four things that Noah did that Lot did, that Lot did not that we need to do in our homes to protect them. Number one, Noah believed God. Noah believed God. Again, he didn't have much of the Bible. We read about his story in Genesis chapter 6. So not much of this book was written. He heard the story of Adam and Eve. He heard the story of the Garden of Eden. He heard the story that God has a set of rules, and to disobey those rules brings the punishment of God. He heard the story of Cain and Abel, how God set up a way to approach him, and how Abel took that approach, and how Cain disobeyed God and tried to approach God in a different way. He heard the story of Enoch, and how Enoch walked with God, and how God took him. And Noah decided, based on what he had heard about God from his dad and from his grandpa, that he was going to be a person that believed what God said. He was going to be a person that believed that what God said, God meant, and what God said he was going to do, God was going to do. And when the whole world was living in pleasure, and when the whole world was doing whatever came to their mind, the Bible says the imagination and the wickedness of their mind is what they did. When the whole world was doing that, Noah said, not me. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to do right. I'm going to do what God says. Now, Lot didn't believe God. Again, he didn't have much of the Bible. We read about his story in Genesis 14, 15, 16. So he didn't have much of the Bible. But he had enough to know. He had enough, and he was taught enough about God from his uncle Abraham that he, he should have known to let Abraham or Abram make the choice when they were dividing up the land. He had enough to know that it was wrong to move into Sodom and identify with the people that lived in that city. 
30, he had enough to know that he needed to raise his kids for God. He didn't believe God. Noah did. Let me ask you this morning, do you believe God? Do you believe God? And we flippantly say, oh, yes, 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 I believe God. I believe what God says. Do you? Do you believe him when he says that all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Do you believe him when he says the wages of sin is death? Do you believe him when he says the gift of God is eternal life, but that it only comes through Jesus Christ? Don't tell me you believe God if you've never received Christ as your Savior. You you can't believe anything else about him, about what this book says, until you come and believe that you're a sinner and your sin's going to be punished. And the only way that you can avoid that, the only way you can get right with God, is to come through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Do you believe? Guys say, oh yeah, preacher, I've asked Jesus to be my Savior. I know for sure I'm saved. I know for sure I have a home in heaven. Okay, good. That's wonderful. I pray that everybody here knows that. But do you believe him enough to look at this book and follow this book when it tells you how to be a godly wife? Do you believe him enough to look at this book and follow what it says to tell you what it needs to be a godly husband? Do you believe this book when it tells you how to raise your kids and get them to live for God? We need to protect our homes by getting back to this book and listening to the one that made the home, listen to the one that put it together, listen to the one that ordained it, and follow his instructions for what he wants us to be. Noah believed God. Number two, Noah gave himself to God. God told Noah, judgment's coming. I'm going to destroy the world and everything that's in it. There's only one way for you to escape. I, 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 I want you to make a boat. I want you to make an ark. And for over a hundred years, Noah gave himself to that task. For over a hundred years, Noah spent the strength of his life. Noah spent the time of his life building that boat. Now, Noah lived in a day when it had never rained. I mean, it hadn't rained at all. And here was God saying, hey, there's going to be a flood. And I'm sure as the framework of that ark began to take place, that there were all sorts of people that came and made fun of Noah. <laughs> Probably called him crazy Noah. What are you doing? What are you doing? You don't even live near a lake. Why are you building this big boat? You think God's going to send a flood? I'm sure they laughed. I'm sure the press of the day had a field day. I'm sure even members of his family, maybe, I don't know if Noah had brothers, I don't know if he had sisters, aunts and uncles, but I'm sure they came and gave their opinion. You see, the world didn't understand what Noah was doing. They didn't have the same priorities that he did. They didn't have the same standard. They didn't have the same perspective. But when the world looked at it, there was no doubt in anybody's mind who Noah had given himself to. He'd given himself to God. Lot didn't. You can't say the same thing about Lot. Lot was what we would call a Christian. Lot was a righteous man, the Bible says. He had a righteous soul. He was brought up and taught by a godly uncle. And God had, I mean, Lot had seen the blessings on Abraham's life. And his life was blessed by the same God just because he was around Abraham. But who did Lot give himself to? Just look, look at his story. He made his home in Sodom. He sat in the city gate, which means he sat on a city council. 
He married a girl from Sodom. He let his daughters marry men from Sodom. He did not speak out against their sin. His silence indicated that he condoned it. He made his living in Sodom. He shared their priorities. He, he, he tolerated their standards. He had a similar perspective. Lot did not give himself to God. He gave himself to the world. Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma. Let me ask you this morning, who have you given yourself to? If, if we hired an unbiased, independent observer... And we said, hey, we'd like you to follow Brother Jeff around for a week. See how he spends his time. See what he says. See what he does. And come back and report to us at the end of the week, who has he given himself to? If we did that for you, what would the verdict be? What would the verdict be? An independent, unbiased observer looking at your life, how you spend your time, looking at how, the, 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 the things that you do, what would they say about who you've given yourself to? If we're going to have the homes that God intended for us to have, if we're going to have the marriages and raise the kids in the way that God expects us to do, we need to give ourselves to him. Number three, Noah built an ark. What a boat, 450 feet long, 150 feet wide. I'm sorry, 100, yeah, 150 feet wide, 45 feet tall, three stories, one door, one window, room enough for all the animals that God was going to bring, room enough for everybody that wanted to get on. No power tools. He didn't have a chainsaw to cut down the trees. He didn't have an electric plane to, to plank, make the boards. He had to do all that with a, with a, with a mallet, uh, with, a, with a sharp stone. He, 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 he had to work hard to build that boat. He didn't have any of the things that would make it easy. But for over a hundred years, he worked, he labored, he built the ark just like God instructed him to do. It was God's design. It was God's dimension. It was God's plan. And when the judgment of God came, Noah had a place of refuge. He had a place to run for safety. He had a place to run to save his life. What about, what about Lot? When the judgment came on Sodom and Gomorrah, when the fire and the brimstone fell from heaven, where did Lot have to run? Nothing. He didn't have any place to run. He did not make an ark. He had no place of refuge, no place of safety, no way of escape. Let me ask you this morning, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, have you built an ark? Do you have a place that you and your family you and your wife, you and your children, you and your grandchildren can run when trouble comes. You say, well, preacher, I've given my kids self-confidence. That's good. They need to have self-confidence. But what happens when the bottom falls out? Some others might say, well, I've given my kids a business sense. That's good. They need to have one to operate in this world. But what happens? What happens when businesses fall apart? Others will say, I've given my kids personality and social graces. That's wonderful, and they ought to have those things. But that's not going to cut it when trouble comes. 
Others will say, I've given my kids education, and that's important. They ought to be educated. But more, more than a business sense, more than self-confidence, more than personality and social graces, more than education, you need to build an ark for your children. Say, preacher, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that, you need to get them in this book. They need to know that this book is the word of God. They need to know that this book has the answer to every problem and every situation that will come in life. They need to know that when trouble comes, they can go to the God of this book and prayer, in prayer, and call out to him, and he will help. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. Do your kids know that? Have you built that ark for them? Do they know that in the embrace of God is the only refuge, the only one that will work throughout all eternity? Have you built an ark? And then number four, Noah brought his family in. (laughs) The ark was all done. The Bible says that God talked to Noah a week before it started raining. He said, hey, I want you and your family to go in. I can see Noah as he began to walk up that gangplank. I can see in his mind, I wonder if Mrs. Noah, I wonder if my sweetheart, my wife of 620 years, is going to follow me. I wonder if my boys are going to follow me. They've worked hard the last 100 years helping me build this ark, but I can't force them to get on this boat. I wonder if they're going to follow me up the gangplank. I wonder if my daughter-in-laws are. They've been part of the family for a long time. They've heard what the world has said about their crazy father-in-law. I wonder if they're going to follow me up the gangplank. And that day as Noah walked up the gangplank, his wife was right beside him. His boys were right behind him. Their wives were right beside them. And Noah and his wife, and his three boys, and his three sons went into that ark, and God shut the door. A week later, it started raining. The fountains of the deep broke open, and the flood came and destroyed everybody, everybody on the whole earth, except for Noah, his wife, his three boys, his three daughter-in-laws. Now let me ask you a figurative question this morning. It's not a a question of what's going to happen physically, but a a question I want you to think about. If you were walking up the gangplank, would your wife follow you? Would your husband follow you? Would your kids follow you? Would other members of your family follow you? You see, the only way of safety was for them to get on the ark. They had no other choice. They had no other way. And the only place of refuge that our families have is in that book and in the God of that book. And we need to live our lives in such a way that when we have to run to the God of that book, our spouse and our kids will be right behind us. Build thee an ark. Would you do it?
Have you done it? If you haven't, would you? Would you? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the teaching that's in it, for the examples that you give us. An example like Noah, an example like Lot. And I pray this morning that every dad would bow this morning to be a Noah, not a Lot. I pray every lady here this morning, every wife, would vow to be a wife like Noah had, not a lot, a, a wife like Lot had. And I pray, Father, that we would be the kind of parents and the kind of grandparents that would build an ark for our families so that when trouble comes, when Satan attacks and tries to destroy our home, we can run to the God of the Bible. And we can run to the Bible. And we can find safety and refuge and keep our homes together and raise our kids in a way that you want them raised and influence our grandchildren in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. Father, I know that we cannot do that until we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so I pray if there's somebody here this morning that has never asked Jesus to be their Savior, I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would help them see that they're a sinner. There's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Father, help them understand that the wages of sin is death, to be separated from you for all eternity, but that the gift that you offer to every person is eternal life. And you're able to do that because of the price that Jesus paid on Calvary when he took all of our sins, all of our iniquities, and you laid them on him, and he died and paid the price for our sin. And I pray, Father, if there's just one person in our midst this morning that's never received Christ as their Savior, that, Holy Spirit, you would bring them to the Savior now. At this very moment, you would help them make that decision and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Please save me. And then, Father, I pray if they, if they prayed a prayer like that, in just a second as we sing a song of invitation, that they would come down the aisle and let us rejoice with them or the decision they've made to ask Jesus to be their Savior. Speak to the Christians that are here. Help us to kind of have the kind of homes that will bring honor and glory to you. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.